It's the Super 90s Brothers! It's me, Mario! Welcome to the Super 90s Brothers, Ow! where we do hazy memory riffs on the most party gaming decade ever. I'm your host, Brennan Pointer. Along with me is my co-host, Adam J. Pitzler, and today we're talking about Mario Party 64. Ow! Oh my god, Adam, you sound amazing. Thank you. You don't, like, usually your, your O's sound like you can actually hear them. Usually when you do them on your old equipment... It would always clip. You like your vo- your voice would just go too high, and you would it would just sound distorted. So now, like we can get the real O's, Adam. I'm I'm, I'm excited. We can get, we can see your O face and hear it for the first time. In, Don't like, act like first high time fidelity. O face, Brennan. That's true. Um. Yeah, Brennan is not so subtly hinting that Brennan set me up with his old set of equipment when he upgraded his set of equipment. So now we are both on pro sets of equipment. Thank you, Brennan. Yeah, and uh, I think this will just make everything sound so much better. Obviously, I mean that's the point of it. But and I think it'd just be better for all of our listeners to have both of us sounding so sexy on on the mics. I mean, we always sounded pretty sexy. I mean, if we get too sexy, we're gonna get warnings from the FDA. That's true. That that is very true. Uh, it's it's been a while, Adam. I uh, we have not recorded a podcast in over two months. Um, I. It's just been, I'm not going to lie, it's just been a crazy two months for me. How about you? Yeah, it's been pouring down rain in the Bay Area the whole time, which makes my job go on crack. Um, <laughs> I manage housing, and whenever it rains in California, everyone's dying of mold. There's wow. floods everywhere. There's roof leaks everywhere. And the particles are killing all my tenants all of a sudden. And they all have asthma all of a sudden, too. Oh, man. So I guess like you would say when it rains in the Bay Area, it pours? I would say when it rains, the mold complaints <laughs> make my soul like blow up, oh. and I just, I, I, I'm just ha- happy that it's sunny now in California. It's the very end of March, the last day of March, and it's sunny. Baseball season just started. I'm flipping a chapter in my new life. I'm getting a new puppy. Like we have new sound equipment. Oh wow! I'm just ready to mess with you, my friend. A, a new puppy. That's 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 exciting. Yeah. Well, that 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 will be. Well, I'm I'm. I'm I'm excited to learn more about that, but I guess we should. We don't need she to talk. She arrives about, in a month, and we'll talk about it more then. What? Where? Where, where are we off to next, Adam? I, uh, I, I, I want to get into this. This is this is one of my favorite topics. <laughs> off to a regular rotation in guys our age Thursday night gaming sessions with our buddies mm. Mario Party sixty four the original, um, which was just a mainstay in most Nintendo sixty four party gaming experiences. In the late '90s, early 2000s, it was just—it's a solid game, and I'm—I'm I'm so happy we're doing it together. Last time we saw each other, we were—I was down in the Bay Area to see you. We, we, you know, you did our our Royal Rumble night. We never really got to talk about that on on this podcast yet. But uh, the night before your big party, me and you played a couple of games of Mario Party or a couple of rounds, or whatever you want to call it. And um, 
Yeah, I mean, I've been playing a lot of Mario Party over the last couple of years just because my kids have Mario Party on the on the Switch, and I like playing that game with them. But uh, it, it was a, it was fun to play the old school version. Um, and thank you to Nintendo for uh, releasing one and two on the the virtual console. So. Yeah, I love the Switch apps that let you play the old school systems. Um, we're talking about Mario Party 64 today, but just like two or three weeks ago, they released the Game Boy and the Game Boy Advance apps mm. for the Switch. So I got to play Zelda Minish Cap for the first time ever, which I was stoked about. Yeah. And anyway, I just I love I love how Nintendo connects you to their past. They do it better than any other console. Yeah, and and when I was thinking about prepping for the show, I was just like, we're doing Mario Party, and next week the super mario brothers movie comes out and my kids can't be more excited to go see this movie in the theater they've been prepped to go see it for like two months and they're on spring break next week and so next wednesday we're gonna go or not wednesday um thursday we're all gonna go see it as a family together and i'm just there's gonna be a lot of mario uh in my life over the next uh couple weeks so well, who doesn't like more Mario in their life? That's so that's true. Um, anyway, uh, what we would like to do since it's been a while is we want to remind you guys to reach out to us. We are very accessible podcast hosts. Don't you think like if you're ranking accessibility, we're like nine out of 10. We're not perfect, but we're pretty close. Yeah. I mean, I would say like if my DMs are open, <laughs> if you want to reach out to me and like tell me how great I am or how shitty I am as a podcast host or whatever you want to tell me. Like I'm, you can send me a DM and I'll probably see it and I'll probably respond to it. So slide into Brennan's DMs yes. or email us super nineties brothers at gmail.com all spelled out on Twitter at super nineties brothers. Brennan is at Spokast pods. If you want to connect directly with Brennan or if you have a podcast that needs to be produced in the greater Spokane area, Brennan's your guy, check out my writing at adampitzler.com. And we are so thankful that you guys are joining us here for our Super Mario Party 64 podcast. I'm just stoked. Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to it. But before we do that, we gotta we gotta set the scene, right, Adam? Yeah. So now I want it. I want you all to travel back in time for a moment. Picture yourself. It's the beginning of 1999. Celine Dion's "My Heart Will Go On" has just won the Grammy's Best Record and Best Song. John Elway has retired after the Broncos won their second straight Super Bowl, and the radio starts playing. That was the number one song in the U.S. at the time, Baby One More Time by Britney Spears. 
It's Britney, bitch. Wow, Adam. We we don't typically get number one songs on the show. It's always usually like you know a top a top ten, maybe a top twenty, depending on on what you're trying to pull. But I'm I'm very happy you pulled this one because this has this song is uh very very near and dear to my heart. How about how about you? Uh, you cannot ignore the social influence that this song and Britney had on this era of our lives. And I would have been a fool to ignore it. Would you believe this is our first Britney Spears song on this podcast? I, you know, I guess I, I, I would say I would believe it just because of how late Britney came into the 90s. And yeah, I mean, but, but you know what? It is true. Like, she feels like someone from like, that was deep in entrenched in the 90s but really she like didn't start any making music until like 1999 1998 so um yeah no that's 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 a that's a fact a fact or a stat i don't know this is like the first week of february 1999 so and this is her first hit single so we really only got britney in the year of 1999 yeah 1999 so were we were we freshmen or we in eighth grade I, so freshman year started 1998. Yes. So okay. February 99, we would have been in our second half of freshman year. Perfect. Uh, yeah, I, <laughs> I was definitely a freshman hiding, listening to this song and probably even hiding, owning the CD and definitely watched this video way too much. Um, like on Why'd you MTV. like it so much, Brennan? I don't understand. What's that? Why'd you like it so much, Brennan? I mean... I mean, it, you know, it, it did things to me that I, you know, as a young boy, like I, I, you know, wasn't expecting Adam. Um, and, you know, I mean, it was Britney Spears dressed up as a schoolgirl and like very, it was, looked very sexy. It's, you know, when you look back on it now, like Britney Spears, when the song came out was 16 years old, that is a, and like, it's been covered a lot lately. I mean, over the last like couple of years, but like. She was very objectified as a as a minor, and that's it's very weird. But like you know, we were the same age, so like it was fine that I was objectifying her. But uh, it was yeah. weird that like men, older men were objectifying her. <laughs> yeah, they were wrong, but we were fourteen, dude. Of course, we liked her. <laughs> right, exactly. We're doing anything. and and I mean, it, it probably started was one of the reasons it started like the whole schoolgirl fetish. I, I would imagine. I guess that probably existed before, but still, it was very. It's it's a very provocative uh, video. The school, the Catholic schoolgirl outfit, really is the gift that keeps on giving. Yeah, um, it has for decades, and I would I would hope continues in perpetuity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like Jill, my wife. What's Catholic. what's that? Jill, my wife, Catholic schoolgirl. Oh, and does she does she take out does she get that outfit out for you often, Adam? In our first year of dating, um, it came out a few <laughs> times, um, but then she put it away. I mean, then she went to college, and you know, it became weird. So, okay, first year was not terrible, um, <laughs> but oh, uh, this is, so this Brennan said this video it's like a daydream where Britney's in pigtails and she looks like she just went to the Spirit Halloween store to pick out the. <laughs> Bloody Catholic schoolgirl outfit, like like that's what it seems like. And if you're a 14 year old boy, you're into it, man. You're into it. Yeah, you're very you're very much into it. And uh, like I said, like I own this album. I listened to like I listened to all of this, like, and it was um, very influential on like probably my taste of music. And uh, let me ask you questions. Yeah, go ahead. Does it sound like she's saying babum babum to you, like with an M on the end? <laughs> it, oh, babum. You- 
babe. I'm... You when when you when you say it like that, yes, it does. But I don't. I've never thought of it like now. I I've always thought it was. I thought I always heard baby. So, but it does sound like that. Babe, I'm babe, I'm, Yeah. Okay, and in this video, in this song, is a guy hitting her or not? Mm, this is a. This has been an argument for a lot of people. Like, is I think it is about like hitting her up, like. Like so, like, like calling her up. on her phone, yeah, like, or like hit her, like maybe, like maybe, probably she probably had a beeper, like hit me on the, hit me up on the beeper, um, right. What's that? I said right. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's what it's about, but it is. I as a child, I mean, as a fourteen-year-old, it, it, it was. I thought it was more. I thought it was probably more sexual in nature. <laughs> she likes being. She likes it rough. That's what you're saying. <laughs> I don't know. It was, when like, you're 14, you're watching this. You're envisioning yourself like slapping her. Like I just like hit me, baby, one more time. Like, I mean, what is what is she talking about? And I, I mean, I think if you go down the rabbit hole, you can find out more about it. But like, you know, what what does it mean? What does it mean to you, Adam? Well, I can safely say that when I was 14, I really didn't care. I was just <laughs> watching, you know watching her saying, "Yeah, she likes to be hit, whatever." And I really didn't think much about it. Didn't really give much thought to it at all. Then when we're, I'm writing the show notes, you know, a week or two ago, I'm thinking, what is she saying? Is she, is she asking to be hit in bed is, or is it short for hit me up? Cause if it's short for hit me up, I never knew that. And I never made that connection. Hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, I think, I don't know. I mean, I think it's supposed to be, you know, I, I think it is supposed to be like, make you think about it, but it has to be like, if they were explaining it, it'd have to be that just because like, we're not talking about, hitting girls so like um but yeah but she i mean likes it. she's asking for more so it's it's not like a violence thing it's like you know a uh uh foreplay i yeah and that's what makes it so weird that she's 16 years old and singing it so obviously she didn't write this song like someone else did and and so she's just singing what you know probably some some 20 something like writer wrote but it's still weird <laughs> um so the video is pretty simple she's dancing with her cronies in the school she's dancing in the street she's dancing at a basketball gym and like basketball warm-up gear teenage boys everywhere swooned when this video came out um it was grammy nominated for best female vocals in pop and when i checked a few weeks ago 796 million views on youtube almost 800 million views dude that's a lot um, that's a lot and I hope, I wonder how many of those were to listen to the song. Mm. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think a lot of it now is nostalgia. It's like, uh, I think it's just nostalgia. To go, yeah, like, I mean, it's... <laughs> of creepy old men on the internet. Yeah, there's a lot of creepy old men on the internet. So, the, I mean, of course there's that. But um, it's, yeah, it's just people go back and watch it. I mean, it's a, I mean, it's a, it's not that fun of a video to watch now. Like I don't really like, I didn't enjoy it. Like I was just like, it was more like I'm more giggling at it just because I'm just like, this is so silly. This video is so silly. Like there's all these people, like they do all these cut shots of like people like looking at Britney, like, and like, she's like, she's actually there dancing and they're like smiling like, Oh, there's Britney. And she's just, she's dancing like she usually is. And <laughs> it, it really does bring back memories. Cause like, this was like freshman year, like you mentioned. And in my freshman year, like, I mean, I was after school, like I was going home and watching 
TV until my parents got home, and that usually usually meant I was watching MTV, and so this is coming up a lot. So, yeah, TRL, yeah, TRL, yeah, that was a big part of my life. I watched TR. I came home and watched TRL every day. I cared about the the top ten list. I really did, and like the the guests that were on it. <laughs> That's cute, Brennan. Um, so yeah, hit me, baby, one more time by Brittany. Good one. Did, good, good way to start the show. Did you watch TRL, Adam? Occasionally, but not like you. No, I mean, I remember there was a time, maybe like junior year, where I got a little too into Limp Biscuit, and I, <laughs> I would watch. Like, remember, like a Chainsaw would be on the TRL, but other than like Limp Biscuit and Eminem, I never liked anybody on TRL. Yeah, that's funny. I mean, I remember, I remember seeing Eminem on TRL for the first time, and. It, he was very awkward. Like you could tell, like he just like did not want to be there talking with uh, Carson Daly. He was um, on there one time with Marky Mark, Mark Wahlberg, and he he made this comment about like how they're all just hanging out like a funky bunch of people, and I I thought it was so funny. And you could see Marky Mark get like pissed off, and like <laughs> I don't like Marky Mark, so I was like I was into it. But this was like Marky Mark as Mark Wahlberg, not as like the, the exactly. rapper. He was like trying to shed that whole thing, and Eminem was just kind of poking him about it, which I thought was great. That is that is funny. That that sounds like Eminem. Yeah. Um, um, anyway, speaking of hitting babies, today we're talking about Mario Party sixty four. Ow. Oh man. Uh. This is this was a mainstay of my like high school career of playing Nintendo sixty four with my buddies. Like this is like couch co op, or I guess it's not really co op at at its because it's not like you're playing with each other. Or I guess sometimes you were, but like we played this game all the time. Like and we would play like fifty round turns, which was silly. That's intense. I only did that a few times because those games are like three and a half hours long. Yeah. It, they, we would start at like 10 o'clock and wouldn't be done until like midnight. And then we would probably start another game. Um, and... Yeah. The, the 20 it had 20, 35 and 50 turns, which seems a little limiting. They should have had a few more options. 20 seemed a little short. 50 was way too long. So 35 was like my happy medium with like a, a good foursome group of friends. Yeah. Do you remember purchasing this game? How did you get a hold of it? Yeah, I got it for Christmas the year after it came out. So I, I played it rented it, had friends that and fucked around with it that year of 1999, but Christmas 1999, so it'd been out about 9-ish months. I got it. I owned it. My stepmom bought it for me. Mm. Well, that was nice of your stepmom. I don't remember when I got this. Um I must have got it for Christmas too or cuz I don't I wasn't buying video games yet at this time. Like I wasn't I wasn't old enough. Actually, you know what? Now I think about it, I don't I didn't get I my, got my first 64 in 1998, Christmas 1998. So I definitely didn't have this game for at least six months after it came out. Um, if I, and it would, I would have got it for Christmas or something like that. I was never buying, buying games. Games were just so expensive. And like my, that was like the one thing my parents would never like just go to the store and let me buy. Like they wouldn't be like, oh yeah, here, drop $60 on a video game. Um, I think they were 50 at the time, but still it's at the time. I mean, 20, 24, 23 years of inflation since then. And now most games are only 60. They've only gone up 10 bucks. So yeah, at the time though, 50 bucks, pretty, pretty expensive for a video game. This game came out on February 8th, 1999. That we already talked about. I think you said that date. I just wanted to make sure we addressed it again. I just, this would have been a great game to have at this time though, because it's the winter and 
mm-hmm. there weren't a ton of games to be playing, like the play with other people on the 64. And that's not true. There was like Mario Kart. I guess there was a ton now, now that I think about it. But it was just a good, it was a good addition to to the list of multiplayer games. So I remember, I remember when I first saw, well, I remember when I first started seeing the commercials for Mario Party. Do you remember at all? No. Can you refresh my mind? Yeah. So it was like, um, I, I think it was like four guys hanging out on a couch, like teenage guys, and they were just kind of bored. And then they're, they're like, TV explodes or something, and Mario was there, something like that. But I remember it started showing you all these clips of the gameplay. Hmm. And I remember them really highlighting the the statement over 50 mini games, which hmm. at the time seemed really interesting. It seemed like, whoa, how many games are on this game? Like it, you didn't quite understand the whole board game format. They didn't sell you on that. They just told you that there's this party game that you can play four player, like at the same time. And there's over 50 mini games and you're versus each other and you're on team sometimes. And it's, you earn coins and it just, it looked so innovative. So, so different than what we were used to, especially coming from a Mario franchise, right? Right. you, You had a, you thought you had the Mario franchise down and then Mario party comes out. It's like, dude, they are rocking my world right now. And I just remember thinking the game, the games and the commercial looked so fun. And I particularly remember they showed bumper balls, mm. which we'll talk about later. Yeah. But I remember bumper balls being one of the many games they showed amongst, you know, a handful of others. And it just looked so fun and fresh. And I just, I, as soon as I saw the commercial, I was like, oh, I got to try this with my friends. Yeah. I, I don't, yeah, I don't remember that commercial at all. You know, what's funny is that this, we, as we mentioned, this game came out in February of 1999 and in April of 1999, Super Smash Brothers came out, and Nintendo would never do that t- in today's world. Like they would never release these games so close together. They were just probably trying to sell the system. Um, but I mean, to have the option of this game and Super Smash Brothers, like it was like seeing your favorite uh, Mario characters, like in different ways that you'd never seen them before. And like the 64 was already so like ahead of well I, I guess it wasn't really ahead of playstation but the character it had the character you know library that like playstation didn't have and being able to like not just play like a mario game as mario and play like these this mini game and like this fighting game like it just really it really changed like it really changed how i thought about mario you know yeah and i would say that one point you said was right that Mario 64, excuse me, Nintendo 64 was ahead of PlayStation, but specifically in multiplayer games. Mm. It, it came with four plugins already. Like all you had to do was get enough controllers and you could play four players a ton of games with your friends. PlayStation never had that. Yeah. They had the controller option and frankly, they didn't do much even with two player games. Like PlayStation was always more of a one player game console. I remember there was this one game that my friend had who had a PlayStation. I think it was called X Games. And, but it was just like a downhill, it was like basically a downhill, like road rash type of game. Like you went downhill, you were either a rollerblader, you were a skate, maybe a skateboarder. And then you were like one of those people like laid on their back, like, and you would race down a hill, but you could like hit your other, like, I remember playing that game with my friend on his PlayStation, but like, I never played really anything else. Like I never played Twisted Metal or um, anything like that. So yeah, like, and I mean... It was always Nintendo at my house, anyways. Worms Armageddon was a pretty badass PlayStation. Mm. That was like a turn-based, right? Like you would like so you could share the controller. Uh, you didn't, so you would just pass the controller, pass and play, which was it worked well for turn-based. Mm. 
I mean, Worms is a great franchise, and I want to give them a little love while we're talking shit about PlayStation. But um, yeah. anyway, now is kind of time for everyone. I used to say mine, but the more I pull people, this is everyone's favorite part of the show. Brennan's bad synopsis. <laughs> I mean, this is a so we're super smash. Super, I'm sorry. Great oh, start. For great it. start. Super. I mean, I have Super Smash Brothers on my mind now. I'm gonna like explain what Super Smash Brothers is. Uh, Let's do. <laughs> Mario Party 64 is a a board game style video game that Nintendo made that featured the characters of this exclusively of like from the Mario universe. It was the I think the OG characters in the first game are like it's Mario, Luigi, Princess, Yoshi. Man, I mean, there was Wario those four. Was it Wario and Donkey Kong? Yeah. Okay, that was it in the original, um, and then. When you set up the game, you would then pick you would pick how many players are playing. You can pick one through four, obviously. You pick your players. You pick how many turns you're playing. So it was between uh, 20, it was it 25, 35, 50. Um, and, and then you pick the board you're going to play. And it was spread out between like, it had, I think, six different boards or so um and they all rain and they were all different places that were in the mario mario worlds as well like you had uh, yoshi's island you had a, a cake one um donkey kong's uh place jungle donkey kong's jungle um and then i think there was a couple other ones and there might have been a, a go ahead Mario's battle luigi's engine room or something like oh that. luigi's engine room and then i think there was like maybe a, a couple of unlockable maps um that yeah. I, actually when i was looking at i was looking at the maps i was like i never even remember playing bowser's castle there was like uh but and they all they were all ranked on like between stars like one through three stars like one being the easiest maps and three being the hardest maps and those would like determine like how hard it was to like find stars on the map and so like yeah getting in the gameplay of the game you started on the board you roll your dice you hit the dice with your head and then you go around the go around the board and the goal of the game is to end the game with the most stars um and to get stars you have to get coins and to get coins you have to you have to face off all the against all your competitors in uh in many games and then whoever wins gets would get 10 coins and then i think sometimes second place would get you know five coins and then third and fourth would get nothing yeah and then when you went around the board there was other little like it, the first game didn't have much like you know extras when you went on the board you just like when you went got on a space you would like if you landed on a a regular space you'd get three coins Sometimes you could land on like a red space and it would take away th three or two coins. And then, but then there's all these other spaces, um, uh, kind of like, um, like there was like a Bowser space where he, he would just basically fucking screw you over and like take coins away from you. Um, there was challenge spaces where you could fight someone else and want like, and, and like a one-on-one -on -one battle, one-on-one -on -one mini game. Um, and then there was a bunch of other things, but yeah, you just go around the board, you'd play like a board game and there was, and whoever at the end had the most stars won. But <laughs> when you got to the end of the game and I don't know if this happened, I don't, I forget if this was in Mario one, Adam, or if it was Mario two, but bonus star? you, there'd be these secret bonus stars when you got to the end of the game, like, and you'd get a bonus star if you if you'd move the most spaces or if you 
won the most mini games or if you got the most coins and um and then dive deeper into bonus stars later it's in our notes okay perfect but yeah that mean it's a very basic game but yeah the but the biggest part of it was like playing all these mini games and and facing off against your friends and the different types of mini games were like it was like all versus all like just like where it was just yeah it was a free-for-all and then there was like two versus two mini games and then there was one versus three mini games and um and that was all the determined by like how you fared on the board like if you if you landed on a bad space you would be you'd get like a a red um this is where i'm gonna screw this up you get like a red dot next to you and you would like at the end of at the end of the each round you would then do a little carousel of which game mini game you're gonna play and, and that and oh my gosh yeah it was all based off of where you've landed on the board of how were what kind of mini game you played but yeah, I mean, it was this is it was pretty simple. I mean, it was a pretty simple Got model, that. but um, it was a lot of fun. I mean, uh, to I guess uh, to face off. I mean, the I I don't think there's anything really else to explain. What am I missing from the game? Nothing. So you said you said the characters are Mario, Luigi, Yoshi, Peach, Wario, and Donkey Kong. Who was your favorite, Brennan? Who was your go-to? <laughs> I mean, it was Yoshi because Yoshi was always my favorite Mario Kart racer. Uh, and I, but it wasn't really like the thing about the characters is they didn't provide any type of advantage of who you were. It was just mostly I was just Yoshi because I liked Yoshi. Uh, who was your favorite, Adam? Well, it was Wario because he would laugh when other people failed, and just like me, like other when other people get hurt or they lose, he would go ah ha ah, ah. ha, like he he was Schadenfreude. He took like joy from other people's misery. It's like Wario and I. Wario is my spirit animal. We are we are kindred spirits. Simpatico. I that is uh <laughs> that when we were playing, and you picked Wario, and I was like, oh, you would pick Wario, wouldn't you, Adam? And uh, he was the most annoying because he does that stupid laugh. Also, we, I also want to admit that big butts play a role in this game. And though his butt not quite hmm. as big as Donkey Kong's, his butt is the second biggest. And there are games where you need to shoulder up to get coins and stars and posture. And I'm, it's probably just in my head, but I always felt like his big butt gave me a slight edge. Huh. I, that's that's curious to think. It's a I, I'm, that makes me wonder if there was an advantage of being any of the characters now, because like obviously in Smash Brothers it was a, an advantage. Um, but yeah, like I was was Donkey Kong slower than y Yoshi, or and he was stronger and could push people easier, and then Yoshi was quicker. Like there actually might have been some type of advantage that I just didn't know about. <laughs> uh, Donkey Kong was the only one too cool to hit the block with his head. He would just reach up and punch uh, it. Yeah. Kind of a move. He's like, fuck y'all. I'm not bonking my head like a loser. I'm going to punch it because I'm huge. I'm Donkey Kong. Deal with it. That's so fair. I when we, I feel like when we played, or I feel like when I've played with my kids recently, like I noticed that Donkey Kong doesn't jump. He just hits it. And I was like, oh, that's a boss move. Like you guys are all like have to jump and hit it. I can just like put my arm up and hit it. No problem. It reminds me of like when the dad is playing their kids on like a little kitty basketball hoop and he's just <laughs> slam dunking on their asses and like shot blocking them like it's nobody's business, you know, like get out of town with that nonsense. 
<laughs> and there's one other person we should mention, right? It's Bowser, bitch. Oh man, that's anxiety-inducing. Um, I Bowser spaces were bad news. He'd steal your coins, he'd steal your stars, or worst of all, he'd force you all to be dirty communists and divide all the game coins equally. <laughs> like he would come and be like, "No, screw you for being better than your friends. We're gonna give everyone the exact same amount of coins. Socialism rules." And I'd be like, "Ah, ah, I've been kicking that guy's ass. Ah." How competitive were did you get at this game with your friends? I'm competitive at everything. I'm competitive in this podcast with you right now. Like I, I like. I want to be the most clever podcaster on this. Like, like everything is a competition to me. And like, if you're not trying, you're losing. Is that is that is that true? Oh yeah, I try and win at everything. It's like just part. It's it's not like it. I hope nobody takes it personally. It's just like part of who I am. If I'm doing something, I want to be the best at it. Yeah. And if I can't be the best, I'm often like, I'm off. You'll often get a much different version of me, like a much more subdued version, much less brash. If I'm not good at something, that's uh. That's fair. I, I, I definitely now I, I think when I think back to our experiences when doing certain things together, I could I totally see that now. Uh, I was very competitive at this game and landing on a Bowser space would piss me off. Like and it would like throw the controller send me into a rage if I like if I lost a star or if we did the fucking bow if like if you were this like killing a game you were killing around and you just had like you had all the coins you had like 200 coins or whatever after like a 50 game thing and then you like did a fucking bowser revolution it just like made everyone get back in the game i mean i guess that was the one thing about about mario party it was really good at like not like having one person just win but i don't I, think this was actually that good at it i think future iterations of mario party got so random that's true that it, didn't even matter who was who you were playing with at some point but this version of mario party i would argue skill tended to win out in the end because you would always have the most coins which meant you would always win like two of the bonus stars which we'll get into mm -hmm. which made it really hard to beat that person there were other spots on the on the map too i i don't really remember the randomizer spots for the for the first game i forget what they looked like but it was like um somebody would land on it and then you would go to this little screen and there was three little blocks spinning and whirling so fast that you couldn't see them at all. Mm. And you hit them and it would be like each of the little characters' heads. And then the middle one was oh. like, you give them this amount of stars or you give them this amount of coins. And so when you would do it, it would always be like, Peach gives Wario one star. And you'd be like, oh, that's a game changer. And for some reason, the, the game would always make somebody land on that space in the final five turns. It's like programmed into the game's oh. like frequency controls. So it was it it was just interesting. Like that would almost always happen in the last five games, five rounds of a of a game. Yeah, that 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 does typically happen. I there is a lot of uh, I mean, for it being a random game, there are things that happen in the game where like you're just like, yeah, that was. It's called rubber banding. Like in they in Mar in Mario games, especially in competitive Mario games, they always put that put it in like in their sports games or they just make things make bullshit things happen to like allow for comebacks um and but like you said it didn't happen too much in the in the first game but then in the other iterations it it started it would happen more often it happens all the time in the the game i play with my kids that they the new one there's no even like for me and that's probably why i'm turned off because i was telling you how competitive i am and these new versions of of games that are so randomized that anybody can win i just feel like well you're kind of you're kind of like pissing in the competition bottle here. Yeah. Like drinking 
I wanted to drink competition booze, and now I'm drinking competition urine. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. And speaking of urine, Toad, who was always a loser in everything he did, for some reason, when this game got down to its final five turns, Toad, this little sissy, would come out and he'd predict a winner. Do you remember that? He'd come out and be like, I think Yoshi will win. Yeah. What the hell was that about? What was it? The like he was. I mean, sometimes he's right, sometimes he's wrong. It didn't seem to be that much consistency to it. But like, why even have that? What do you think the goal was in that? Well, didn't he also give the person he predicted to win like an extra ten coins? Uh, you know, I don't specifically remember if he did in this version, but he definitely did in future versions. You would get like a little prize or something. So yeah. was it just one more random thing? Yeah, it was just one more random thing, and like it. If it, if they did in the first game, it would have been that. But then after, like, in the last five turns, too, like, all of the spaces on the board also go up double. Um, and, oh, and, and yeah, and, but, yeah, I think that's, and but he would always just predict the last, like, the person in last place to win or the person in third place to win. I never, he never predicted the first place person to win. And that was because something, something funky was going to happen. Um, All I know is you're like taking Toad to the racetrack. Do not pick the horses he bets on. He fucking sucks. Like he's <laughs> not consistent at all. Uh, so now we want to talk about our favorite stages. Um, and this that was Donkey Kong's map. I think Brennan called it Donkey Kong's Jungle. It was something like that. And that was definitely my favorite stage music. But Brennan, do you remember having a favorite stage or maybe a least favorite stage? Oh, I definitely remember having a favorite stage. I really enjoyed playing on Yoshi's Tropical Island. Yoshi's Tropical Island was two islands that had bridges in between them. And when you would go around, like you would go around one island and like, so when the stars were there'd always be a star somewhere on the map like we mentioned and there it was either in one spot on one island or on the other spot on the other island and if it switched it would be like bowser would be in that space instead and so you could really screw over your uh your competitors by like landing on the space that because you could also predict where you're going to land a little bit easier because of um because you could switch between the islands and places but there was thwomps in between the islands that you had to pay a toll to cross. And so you could also raise the price. And every time you went across, the price went up by one coin. Or you could set it higher if you had a lot of coins. And so at some point, if you're playing a 15-round game, it could, could cost up to 30 coins across. Um, and so it was, a, it was a fun way to just screw with your, your uh, competitors. Yeah, that was a popular map. I remember everybody liking that map. The simplicity of it kind of worked that you knew where the star was, either A or B every time. Yeah. And it was a little easier to intentionally fuck with your friends mm -hmm. in that map, which always makes games like this more fun, in my opinion. Yeah. My personal favorite, a little bit off the board here, Peach's birthday cake. I'm no big fan of birthday cakes. I'm no big fan of Princess Peach. But this map had these little fucking piranha assholes. Oh. They're like piranha plants that lived on a bunch of the blank spaces on the map there's like i don't know 25 of the suckers like littered all over the all over the board and you could bribe them you mm. could bribe the little piranha plants that if someone else lands on this piranha plant space you could either steal coins or for more money you could even steal a star and literally the best games i ever remember playing with my friends like 50 turn games were on beach 
Peach's birthday cake because we would have these fucking star thieves set up all over the board and it created such chaos and such emotional swings, which where you're suddenly you go two two turns and you've landed on two of those fucking star piranha bitches. They've stolen two of your stars like you're suddenly you're in last place. And so even though I do kind of hate the randomness of all, I appreciate how uh, invested we all became in not landing on these spaces. There was a lot of anxiety about what I should roll and what I can roll and then setting those booby traps and the thrill of victory when some fucker lands on your spot and you get to steal their star. It was just <laughs> awesome. I just love that shit. Yeah, that I don't remember playing it much on the 64 version. I it, it came up on the it's one of the remastered stages in the, the new game and it's a really I think they kind of mess with it in the new version. It's not as it's not as hard. There is a there was a lot of there was a lot of chaos on that board and there was a lot of animations on that board and I hated playing it just because of how much time was spent playing on because you couldn't that's a one I mean we'll get into that um, as animations in this game but I don't I mean that's weird that that was one of your favorites because it's definitely one of my least favorites um, it had the most chaos yeah. and for some reason I love stealing stars and I like the thrill of having stars get stolen I love the big emotional swings yeah. Well, uh, what was your what was your least favorite map? Uh, I was probably Wario's Battle Canyon. Um, it was just kind of disjointed. There was like five or six little islands, mm. and, there was, and they weren't very big. There was maybe like eight to twelve spaces on each, and you would run into those pink bombs, and they would shoot you from island to island, and the stars would show up randomly. And I just felt like there was really no strategy. You were just kind of like going from island to island, hoping you'd be there at the same time as the star. Yeah, and. And the bub bombs would shoot you if memory serves. There would be another like randomizer dependent on which like you. It's pretty much like hitting the do the dice coin again, and it would place you on that little island. So you could you could go to the right island and get placed like one space after the star. Uh -huh. So I, remember, I just yeah. thought it was it was just a little too random, and I I didn't think it was very clever. That's all. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm trying to like other maps that I'm thinking of that. I just didn't like very much was I don't I mean I you know what's funny is when we played when when I came and we visited and I and I saw and we played this game on the switch I we played DK's uh Donkey Kong adventure map and god that map sucked too it was the sick music we just dropped yeah yeah I know I mean it had had good music I just playing that map again was just like it was it was confusing and it you could never really get to the star if you like it, it. It was just weird. It was a weird map. I don't remember playing it that much actually. Now that I think about it. Yeah, I played it sometimes. I I didn't play Battle Canyon or Engine Room very often. And Brennan mentioned the two unlockable stages: Bowser's Magma Mountain and the Eternal Star. I remember Magma Mountain. I don't remember playing Eternal Star. I probably earned it because it's one of those things like if you earn enough stars, you get to it. But maybe by the time I unlocked it, I had moved on to different games and just didn't play it that often. Also, when you're playing Mario Party and you're playing with a group of friends, inevitably one of them sucks, or maybe two of them suck. And so I would tend not to pick the hardest maps just because it would frustrate them. And they, they really, they couldn't get around the board. And, you know, you want your friends to have a good time. Yeah. So that was just, that was a factor in in my decision making. Yeah, but, to uh, un unlock the internal star on the final board, you had to collect 100 stars and then complete all the boards at least once. Yeah, I'm sure I did that. Yeah, I, I'm sure I did too. I, I also don't remember playing it either. Ready? Go! 
now we're on the best mini games. That was uh, one of my favorite mini games. It was the slot car derby. And I, when you you asked me to pick anyone I liked, and I was like, I, I picked that one, and then I realized I think it's just Mario Kart music, but maybe I'm wrong. But I also really like that. It was kind of uh, it was a it was a stressful game, and the the music kind of made it more stressful and. A lot of people were really bad at this game, and I was really good at it because it was all about like how you had tilt, tilted your uh, Joy-Con to like to go around the corners and stuff like that. Yeah, this was one of those odd mechanic games where it wasn't about trying hard or pressing the buttons the fastest or the hardest. It was more about uh, finesse. You wanted to finesse the the acceleration around the board in just the right way, otherwise you'd spin out. Mm. And so people that weren't very good or overzealous people would often spin out and fuck themselves. So I could see why you like this one. Um, but uh, you talk about mini games in general, and so I, it's interesting you pick that one. Most people don't like that game. Yeah, you know it's funny playing this game with my son Link. He's really good at that game. Like he's really good at it, like not being overzealous on on the Joy-Con. Uh, what, what were some of your favorite mini games? My favorite was called Keep Away. It was a game where like you were a team and you had to like get the key to the end of the the little row and there's all these ghosties and shit attacking you and it was a team game. I think it was a four-player team game. Yeah. And you, what I liked about it because it was kind of like football, like one person would have the ball and they were the quarterback and they could you could throw passes to your buddies, but if you didn't have the ball, you could block or you could go out for passes. <laughs> and I remember like just always having a lot of fun with that. Like if it was keep away, me or my buddy would want to get the key and then we would bait some dudes forward and we'd send the other guy deep for like a touchdown pass. You know, it was, oh, I like it because I like football. That's funny. I, I specifically remember playing this game at your house and it was us two and there was two computers we were playing with. And I feel like the first time we played it, I, I think it was fucking Peach, just like handed it to the to the Koopa. Oh, she like threw it to no one. <laughs> yeah, and then like the Koopa just ran, like the Koopa Troopa just ran away with it and then like game over. And, I was, yeah. and it, it was one of those games if you were playing with four people, it was easy to beat and it, and it gave everyone coins. Um, Everyone 10 coins if you won. It was probably it the nicest, it was the nicest mini game. Yeah, it wasn't particularly impactful on the game. I just thought that the mini game itself was For fun. Sure. You mentioned bumper balls. I mean, everybody loved bumper balls. You're all kind of like standing on these little beach balls on this little island, and your job is to ram each other off the island like a little King of the Dock scenario. Mm. And you can shove your your friends and fellow players off the board literally into the ocean. And I don't know. That's, it's just fun. It's I love stuff like that. It's like, you know, last man standing. Yeah, no, I, it was uh, it was definitely one of my favorites because it there's a there are very many of those types of like i mean that was just one version of like the of a four player knock someone off a stage like level there was there were so many there was like the bombs away stage where like there was a pirate ship hitting um my bombs at you and like it would like flip the island that you're on up and down um and there's like that mushroom mix-up it was like all the different colors and toad would hold um little little flags of which yeah. color to go jump on. Juke you out. He would like start to hold one up and then hold the other one up. He'd be like, ah! <laughs> uh, one of my favorite mini games was, um, it was probably between Crazy Cutter, which was a game where you were like on a jackhammer and you had to trace some like Mario character. And then it would judge, like, and if you did a good job, it would give you a score between zero and a hundred, highest score one. I was, I was always very good at that one. And then there was the facelift one that was like, it would show you a picture of Bowser and then you had to adjust Bowser's face to look just like it. And like, and 
a little funny thing about that is that it came from Mario 64. The in the intro, yeah, you could like mess around with Mario's face, and um, and this you could you had to you had to change Bowser's face to, to how it looked. That's so funny I, you bring that up. I remember thinking that too. I was like, oh, cool. This is like the beginning of Mario 64. It's like a little tip of the hat to their first title on this this console. That is cool. Yeah. There's another game that I really love that's also similar to football where like someone has a light bulb mm. and the other three have to block all the booze with punches. And so it was it was fun being one of the blockers and trying to create like a little running lane for the person with the light bulb. Um, again, it's got football roots. And so I thought that was cool. There's this one game called, I, I think it might've been called Grab Bag or something where like each of you had these little backpacks Mm. And you would go, you would try and get behind each other and you'd shake them really hard to get coins from each other. And it always looked like you were ass raping each other. <laughs> so that, like that... I would, like I would pick on somebody like, I'm ass raping you again. What are you going to do about it? Ah, prison. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't remember that one. I, I mean, I'm sure I do. I just don't remember that well. I, we've, so these are a lot of, these were a lot of the um, four player mini games, but there were also like one versus three mini games and, the ones of like the one versus three is like this is like where if you landed on one red space and everyone else landed on a green space, you'd face off against one on three. And like there was like tug of war, like was one that I was really good at. But tug of war was one of those games that if like it gives you a warning now when you play it, like don't do not use your palm of your hand to rotate the Joy-Con. But that it was a game that would literally give me blisters. So these three-on-one games became rather infamous. There was Paddle Battle and mm. Tug of War, and they were the same. And your job was to rotate the controller clockwise or counterclockwise, I can't remember, but rotate it as many times as possible. And when you're playing with other human people, it's fucking competitive, right? So you're trying your best to do it. And if you're playing 50 rounds of Mario Party in, like, one night, you might hit those games five or six times, and that is just, frankly, too much wear and tear on that little piece of skin in the middle of your hand. And so guys like me and Brennan and kids all over the country were getting these nasty ass blisters in the middles of our hand. It was like the worst place you can get a blister yeah. other than like maybe your thumb because you're you're literally always feeling it and it's stinging. Like every time you wash your hands, you got this fucking sting and you remember, ah, oh, I lost that paddle battle. Yeah. And what's, what's kind of funny about this, I'm going to skip ahead a little bit to some dumb shit, is that so... There was around 90 complaints received by New York's Attorney's General's office. <laughs> and Nintendo of America eventually agreed to a settlement, which included providing gloves to injured players and paying state legal fees of over 75 grand. But, like, who files a fucking lawsuit over playing video games too hard? Like, how do you, like, what kid has the ball to go to his mom and say, I played too hard on my video game and it's not fair. And then what mom says, you're right. That's awful. We should sue Nintendo for this blister on your hand that you got for playing the game too much because you like it too much. Like the, this is what's, this is why I don't really believe in democracy anymore. I don't believe everyone should have a voice. This, this <laughs> is the kind of behavior that exemplifies why not everyone deserves to have a voice. That That's true. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah it was very i mean i don't know if i ever broke a i mean i definitely broke 64 controllers but like if you ever had a 64 controller around for a long time and you had been playing mario party on it the your 64 controller eventually got this like basically limp six like it was basically a flaccid joystick a flaccid joystick uh and <laughs> and actually i think you still have yours and i think yours are very flaccid adam you think I don't know, but 
still gets the job done. <laughs> ocean with the ocean and whatnot. But yeah, I definitely, I definitely did hurt my palm multiple times playing this game. And no. um, any other yeah. mini games that were that are worth talking about? Not really, but we we missed the two on two games, which I just oh, yeah. wanted to say was so dependent on what kind of AI you got in your team. So if I was playing with like one friend. And we had, so it was like two human players and two CPU players. We would often have one normal CPU and one easy CPU just to mix it up. Yeah. Huh. It was, you got the easy CPU and the other person got the normal CPU. You were just completely fucked. And, um, but if you ever played with hard CPU, they were like better than humans at like tons of stuff. Like they would do everything like perfectly at times. I, I'm looking at the mini game list right now. And the problem that we had, we faced when we played this game was, if you played a 35 round game or 25 or however many you did, you would play mini games multiple times, especially if you've got the two versus two one, because there's only five two versus two mini games. And so you could play one of those two versus two mini games sometimes three times in a 50 round match. And I even noticed that when we were playing the first time, I was just like, you played mini games multiple different times. Um, Here's another weakness on that same vein. It would have been cool to have a two versus one versus one option, like because mm. that would happen all the time. Like two people would be on green, one person would be on red, one person would be on blue. Mm. Like shit like that would happen, and then the game would just kind of force change colors on somebody to get you to a two on two. Mm. And it would have been totally fine to have a two on one on one game or two, don't you think? It, it very much would have. I but I I'd love to know what that. I mean, I wonder if those games exist. No, they don't really exist now. But there are versions. You could figure out how to do it though. Yeah. That would have been cool. It doesn't seem that complicated. You just change it up a little bit, and one team, one set of players are on a team, yeah. and they're own, and they have a slight advantage over those or something. Yeah. So a few other characters on the board that I want to discuss. We already talked about Toad and what a loser he is, but let's talk about Boo and Koopa. So mm. Koopa was sort of like the you pass go, you get $200 guy. Like He would stand at the beginning of the board, and if you made it all the way around the board, he would give you coins or some shit, and he wasn't too impactful. Mm-hmm. But Boo, little motherfucker, there was usually one Boo on every map. Some maps had two, I believe. Mm-hmm. Boo was like those prime plants I was mentioning earlier. You could bribe Boo to go fuck with your opposition. You could pay him just a couple of coins, to, or maybe it was free, to steal coins from your, your opposition. Or you could really pay him like a lot, like 50, 50 coins, and you would go steal a star from somebody else. Like Just go take it and give it to you and be like, fuck you, I'm Boo, what are you going to do about it? <laughs> I love using Boo against my kids because my. I want to. Yeah, I want to hear your ethical thoughts on Boo. Oh, so typically my ethical thoughts are: you, if you were having a nice civil match, you would take it from whoever had the most coins or most stars, and that was usually the most like nor like if you're if it was a civilized game. But then if there was a game where you someone fucking pissed you off and you just wanted to screw them over i would just take it from the person who i who who pissed me off and uh or totally if they were, or if they were being a baby about something like this happens all the time with my son link he will get really upset that he loses and something like that and he and i'm just like you know what i'm just gonna be i'm gonna teach him you gotta <laughs> rub his nose in it i'm just gonna like i'm gonna take coins from you even though that i even if ivy has more coins than you i'm gonna take them from you because like you're being a little bitch right now <laughs> And um, so I, I, what I think is fun is I think when you're playing a game, the goal of the game is for you to have fun. It's not, it's like, I don't, I don't take the responsibility really of other people's feelings when I'm trying to have fun and win a game. 
And I think it's totally okay to play a game emotionally. And mm. just like what you said, if you want to get back at somebody or something, I think it's totally okay to do that or what for whatever reasons you have. Yeah. So I have kind of a funny story, and I don't want to embarrass my nephew too much because I love the kid, and he's 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 a great kid. He's a sweet kid. He just bought, he just bought those Switch apps for my sister like yesterday, so she can play the new Zelda game because she loves old school Zelda. So I love this kid. Mm-hmm. We were playing a game recently, the four of us, and he wasn't in first place. He was in second place, and I was in fourth, and my other nephew was in first, but my sister was in third, and she was really close to being in first. And I decided to steal a star from my younger nephew because I thought, I legitimately thought that gave my sister a better chance of winning. I thought I was fucked. I couldn't win because it was the newest Mario Party on Switch. And it was like, it was like no skill involved. Right? It's like completely random. Although my nephews are good, but like it wasn't very competitive for me at that point. So literally all I was trying to do was help my sister win. Mm. And my nephew got really upset. Like, like Link, like really, but he's like 17. Like he got really upset. And I was like, dude, like I was trying to help my sister. Like it's just a game, chill. But he, he, he got mad at me. We had to like have a talk about it. Like, I had to call him and make sure we were okay. And I love the kid, but he did not think it was right that I took a star from him when he wasn't in first place. And even though what I said was completely true, that what I did allowed my sister to almost win. She only lost by a couple of coins to my other nephew, which was what I thought at the time, the best move I could make for my sister. He didn't accept it, really. He thought I should have taken from the person in first place. Like, that's his etiquette, and there's no questioning it. Do you think I was being a jerk uncle, or do you think it's just a game and get over it? The this more understanding person thinks it's a game, get over it. But also, I'm at the same time, like, it is fun to fuck with people in this game. Like, that was one of the best parts of this game was fucking with people and, like, laughing hysterically when, like, they got screwed over. And, like, it, the best games were when everyone was having fun and everyone didn't care if you were getting screwed over. It it was never fun when, like, there was, like, hurt feelings happening. No, there should not be hurt feelings in a fucking video game. Ever. There just No, there shouldn't be. Um but that 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 is that is funny, and I mean, yeah. If you don't want him to win, and you want your sister to win, that makes sense. I'm trying to get my sister to win, who never wins, yeah. who's been getting her ass kicked in video games by me, and now both her sons for like forty years, right? <laughs> right. Like she's just perpetually getting her ass kicked, <laughs> and I thought maybe, just maybe, I could help her. And I got, I came really close. She only lost by a couple of coins. If something else falls right on that last turn of the game, she wins. You know, it would have been cool. That but... that, that would have been cool. All right, well, well, why don't we talk about this and that? So uh, we always like to talk about the production history of the topics we're doing. You know, typically we're doing movies. It's fun to do a video game with you again, by the way. I hope our our listeners reach out and let us know how much they enjoy or maybe don't enjoy these video game episodes. I mean, I guess it's easy on a podcast. If you didn't connect with that game, you didn't play, you just skip that episode, right? It's no big deal. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's usually how I think most people listen to our episodes is like, I always listen like these type of sh- podcasts. I always listen to the stuff that I'm really interested in. So, so within the first two months of its U.S. release, Mario Party was among the top five most rented video games. So mm. this is still back when people are renting games, yeah. which is, and that makes sense, right? It's such a good rental for the weekend. Your buddy's coming over. Um, we talked about we talked about the AI difficulty. Like, the, if you set them on easy, it's like these fuckers were missing chromosomes. Like, they were completely incompetent. They're running around. They're shouting out words that don't make sense. If they were on normal, they were competent, but you could still usually beat them. But if you put the AI on hard, it was like Nazi death syndrome. Like, they would just kick your ass at stuff. It was so <laughs> hard. Beating them. Like, and I'm really good at the game, and I didn't like playing the AI on hard. It was like, it made it 
a lot less fun. You know, I don't get any satisfaction from beating an AI on hard, and I also <laughs> don't take any shit, like, personally from losing to AI on hard. It just doesn't... It just made the game rather... I always put the player, uh, the, the computer players on, like, normal, no matter what I'm playing. I've found that when my kids play, though, they always put the computer AI to, like, easy mode. And I'm like, come on, that's not going to make you better at this game. Yeah, I follow you. So we, we, we touched on bonus stars earlier, and yeah. I'm curious. So there's three bonus stars in this original Mario Party, which is all we're covering today. The minigame star, which is the most coins earned throughout the game. There's the coin star, which is given to the player who had the highest number of coins at any one point in time during the game. And then there's the happening star, which is the player who landed on the most question mark spots. And the question mark spots would like randomize the stars and other shit going on the map. So they were kind of fun, but not all that meaningful sometimes. What are your thoughts on the bonus stars in general? Because you you would play this really hard-fought game and you would win or you would lose and then it would get flipped. Like somebody else would win or lose based on these bonus stars. Well, I like that the bonus stars were predictable in the first game. Like you were, if you knew that the bonus stars were happening, you could go towards getting that that bonus star as well. Like, and it kind of you know if if it was when it's predictable, it is it makes the game a little bit more competitive. The bonus stars now are just, there's dozens of them and they're very unpredictable and they really do just change the game for no reason at all. Um, and the only way to win the game is, is by stars. And like, and if you're tied, it goes by coins. Um, and so I, I think in the early inceptions, it was good, but I don't know. It's, it makes my kids excited to play at the end too like it's like a kind of like what if like because they have now stars for like right move moving the least um having the like least amount of coins like there's no uh, consistency to which bonus stars get awarded in the new switch game yeah it's like time and it's like yeah the the person who the person who you know went to the bathroom the most times like it's a Completely weird stuff. There's one in the new game. You can like use these like stickers to react to things. I think it's they're made oh. for online players. And yeah. you mentioned about. that if you that you can get bonus stars for how many times you do that in the game, like like press on it, and like basically it just makes people just do it the entire game, which sounds annoying. Yeah. Okay. Stupid. So. Um. My nephew, the same one who got upset, was doing that like literally the whole game. He was spamming us with these fucking stickers the whole game. He was, he was banking on getting that bonus star. Like he was playing every angle. Yeah, I guess I guess it makes sense. Um, yeah, that was kind of annoying. Now, now that did not factor into my decision to steal his star, but maybe a little rightful comeuppance. So yeah, uh, I think when someone acts annoying about something and anything, I will just and if I have the the ability to put them in their place, especially in video games, like I will do that. That's well said. Like yeah. like playing Mario Kart, for example. Like if you're playing on. If I was playing on like Wario's like racetrack and like I could screw my friend over and have him fall into like when you're going over the jump and have him fall into the pit, I would do that and I would be smug about it and it would piss them off. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that happened to me last time we played that game against you. It did. So you and I haven't played Mario Party or Mario Kart in forever, and yeah. we play that map first, and I literally do it to you like the first trip around the board. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't smart about it, though. I did think it was funny. It was funny. It, it's funny when you do it. it now, it's just like, 
it, but it, uh, but it, after a night of playing games, like because we would switch between Mario Kart, Smash Brothers, Mario Party. Mario Party was always the last one because it was the one you could chill out and play them like in kind of like is like a downtime downtime game. If after a night of playing those games, if someone was kind of like this was always my equalizer was Mario Mario Party. I was never really good at Smash or um, Mario Kart, but like I was I was pretty good at Mario Party, which doesn't actually mean much at it when you think about it. <laughs> Conker's Bad Fur Day was uh, occasionally in our rotation. It had some pretty good four-player Oh, yeah. Game. Anyway. Like old so the main menu of Mario Party had a store where you could buy upgrades for the game, like random events or new rules. Like an example of a new rule would be like no using boo. Well, I don't know why you'd want to do that, but you could. Random coins and warp blocks would appear. So there was there was wrinkles that you could add to the game, which was kind of cool. you go buy it at the star and make your game a little more exciting. You'd pay for them with the stars and coins that you got when you'd win a round. Mm. Do you have any particularly memorable events from high school playing this game with your friends that you want to bring up? Or should we just skip this? Not well, I think we've talked a lot about it. I it was just mostly just sleepovers and just hanging out. Yeah. Dumb shit. Sorry, kind of made fun of the losers who filed lawsuits for getting blisters on their hands. Like that is just so weak. Like that's just the weakest shit. Like, I can't believe the people like if if you know somebody that did that, please send us their name. We'll post all over the Internet so everyone can like spam them and call them weak. It's just so lame. You're obviously playing the game fun and having it like a good time and enjoying it. Otherwise, that wouldn't happen. I just can't believe you would get mad about something like that. <laughs> Some not so dumb shit. It's not really that dumb. Do you have do you have any thoughts on the sequels? And do you have like a favorite version of Mario Party? I'm trying to think of what. I think I'm not sure if it was Mario Party two or Mario Party three, but one of the games just really outdid itself, and it might have been three. It was just a better version of one and two, and it just it, I mean had better like it was better visually, and it I think it had I mean and the thing about the Mario Party is that the mini games stayed the same; they just added more mini games to it. But I think it also added in some of the more bullshit stuff too. But it added in. There's one thing that wasn't in the first game that I thought was really annoying that I love is there is, um, I believe it's Toad's, like you can go, you can buy items from Toad and he basically gives you modifiers for your dice in the game. So you can have a, a double dice or a triple dice and to get you around the board faster. In the first game, there's no option to get around the board faster by having items. It's really just, maybe there was one item like a like maybe you could have a mushroom and that would give you like five extra spots but like but in this like you could use your coins to buy items and get around the board you can even buy like other items like get you to a, like right to a star that added a layer of control to the game that i really really liked and and i as much as we kind of been shitting on the mario party superstar which is basically it takes all the it's in the switch version that took takes like all the one through five Mario parties and makes like up, up upgrades them to like the current gen like graphics. And, but it also adds in some layers of bullshit too, but like, but it's just, it has all of the mini games from all of one through five. And it's, there's just a lot of options and you can play a 15 round game. Cause I'm not paying up playing a 25 round game with my kids. Are you serious? So yeah, there's a, I think three is probably the best one though. I agree. Talking about part three, I, I remember thinking part three was the best when I was like, you know, or like late high school. I remember thinking that one just had the best balance of maps and items and all that. Yeah. I think the items got a little too cracked out as the games went on. Like there was just like too many items and they would they would be a little too powerful at times. 
and get you to stars too quickly or there'd be an abundance of those quick getting star items stuff like that i thought would just kind of like overdid it a little bit which is kind of how i feel about the franchise in general they just started kind of overdoing themselves at some point so i would agree i think part three was probably the best version um there was one version i can't remember if it was the gamecube or the wii but you literally had to like blow into your controller Mm. do you remember this shit yeah the spittiest thing ever all you all anybody did was literally spit all over each other because you're like <laughs> trying to blow really competitively is so obnoxious what a dumb idea like luckily that that must not have done well because they didn't bring it back i want to tell you something really interesting about mario party 2 and mario party 3 is that nintendo was so greedy they released mario party 1 in february of 1999 they released mario party 2 in january of 2000 of 2000 and then they released Mario Party 3 in December of 2000. You got three got three Mario Party games in the course of 2 years. When you add that up it's $150 worth of games that are completely the same. <laughs> Almost I mean they're they're a little bit better each version but like I can't believe that Nintendo did that. That is crazy to me. You can't believe a company tried to make the most money it could. No, like, well, they don't do that kind of stuff anymore. They don't do that anymore. So, because now they have, you can update games. Yeah, it's a little different market, but but uh, it is, but it is weird. That, like, it is, you don't see that anymore. I guess it's why I'm so, like, it's been 20 years since this, and so it was probably normal when it was. It was definitely normal when it was happening, but it just seems weird now. It does, but and then again, I say that the game was 88% on Game Fan Raider. 88% of people loved Mario Party, the original, and I think we did too. Yeah. So um, anyway, if you guys love us and you want to reach out to us, you can emailing us, super90sbrothers at gmail.com, at super90sbrothers, at spocastpods, adampitzler.com. Brennan, we've got kind of a big event coming up. You want to give us a quick plug? Yeah, so in June... Super 90s Brothers and Spocast together will be at the Lilac City Comic Con. We will be there. We will have our own table in the with all the other exhibitors there. Um, and at the event, we're going to be doing our very first live podcast together of the Super 90s Brothers. And we're going to bring our show to you. So if you want to come and see us live in Spokane on June 10th or 11th. We don't know the date yet of when we're going to be doing our live show. And we're going to keep uh, our topic a secret for, for right now. I'm excited to be at this event. It's going to be a lot of fun. There are going to be a lot of, a lot of, a lot of nerds there. Uh, and I think it's going to be a great opportunity to, to get more people listening to Super 90s Brothers. And it will be a lot of fun to do this with you live. And uh, I, I, we should probably do, we should probably have clips like like that we can show our audience. Like we really need to make it interactive, don't you think? Yeah. Uh, Lilac City Comic Con, Spokane, Washington, the weekend of June 10th and 11th. You can come out, check us out. You get some free merch or something. We'll we'll have those little stickers or something, I'm sure. Yeah. And we would love to see you guys like face-to-face. So if you're from Spokane or you're going to be in that area or you love Comic Cons, like come hang out with us. If you come from far away, we'll get you a t-shirt or something cool. Just yeah. reach out and check it out. Um, but I want to... Uh, before I end the show, I just want to say thank you to Brennan for brokering that. He's done a really good job with his business podcast, and he's helping our podcast along the way. And that's really cool, dude. It's yeah. really cool. And I also got to thank Nathan O'Brien for giving us this opportunity. I also do a podcast with him on a monthly basis where we 
talk about Lilac City Comic Con, its history, um, everything that it's about. We can talk. We talk about who's going to be at this year's Comic Con, and uh, we, yeah, we're it's going to be it's going to be fun. You can go listen to that podcast on my other channel at Spocast. It's a bonus episode there, and yeah, I, we should probably we should consider getting him on this podcast because he listens to our show, Adam, and uh, it and he loves the '90s. That's more than appropriate given the circumstances. And hey, if you aren't all that impressed with us, the Honky Tonk Man is also supposed to appear. So come for that, right? Yeah. Maybe next episode, well, we should definitely list some of the guests that are going to be there and some of the other cool things that are going to be happening there. So we'll keep oh, on. we could do a Honky Tonk Man music drop. Yeah. Maybe we could do, get Honky Tonk Man on, on the podcast. So for Burden Pointer, I am Adam J. Pitzler. This has been another dice-throwing episode of Super 90s Brothers, Mario Party 64 style. And remember, if you're ever playing a video game so much that your hand gets blisters, it means you really like it. So don't go and sue Nintendo, you pathetic loser. Peace.